welcome to the Digitally Connected Podcast with Joel Harder and Drew Knoll. Technology is integrated into every facet of our lives, impacting the way we work, live, and connect with the people in our communities and around the world. In the rapidly evolving digital landscape, the Digitally Connected Podcast explores future trends from leading innovators in tech so you can stay informed and stay connected. Now, here are your hosts, Joel Harder and Drew Null. Well, Drew, let's knock out the last two challenges that are included in this article from Future Point of View entitled Creating Balance in a New Workforce Environment, Actionable Steps to Address Remote Work Challenges in 2021. And again, if you've not listened to the previous two episodes where we work through the first five of the seven challenges facing both leaders and team members, employees, Go back and check those out. But Drew, why don't we pick it right back up with challenge number six. Let's do it. Challenge number six, reimagined and renovated central office space. Remote work means rethinking your physical space. This is from the article. Fully remote workers or alternating block schedules for coming into the office requires less space. In addition to cost savings, increased effort and vision can reimagine the purpose of physical space altogether. So that's the challenge that is laid out in the article, but uh, don't really dive into a whole lot of detail about what makes it a challenge because essentially the challenge is you got to think about this. Right. What are some of the things that maybe you're encountering, you're seeing in companies or organizations, folks that you're involved with as they've considered what do we do with our physical space? Yeah, I, I believe that a lot of what companies are going through right now is as companies and organizations have expanded and grown, they, from a from a human resource standpoint, a headcount standpoint, they expanded their their actual physical space. So they've expanded it's, it? it. Well, prior to COVID. Right. Prior to COVID, there was that mentality of if I'm hiring somebody, I've got to have an office or at least a at least a a seat for them. Right. Um, Google about five, six years ago really set the stage for this whole open office concept. Mm -hmm. And a lot of a lot of organizations move to that where. Yeah, you know, these open, almost like a, and we jokingly called them bullpens, where you just had a collection of desks. But the, it, I feel like fashion of, newsroom. Yeah, that's exactly right. Exactly, and regardless of the format that companies went with, the reality was that it was that paradigm was if I'm bringing somebody in, I have to have a physically completely dedicated desk for that person. Now, this side of COVID. That's changed substantially, in my in my opinion, in my estimation, and what what I've seen in my organization, it's just that lens that we've talked about over and over again of what's essential. And if I don't have to physically have somebody in the building, should I? And and do I need to? So I think what that's starting to elicit in a lot of organizations is the exercise of, well, can we do the same amount? facilitate house the same amount of people with less space. Let's just hypothetically say an organization is going to go to a 50-50 remote work split, right? And they're going to allow their organization to, you know, their employees to come in 
and work 50% in the office, 50% at home. If you're only going to be, let's just say you and I are uh, share the same job function. We're both sales reps at company XYZ. Well, we both don't need a fully dedicated desk just to each of us because we're only going to be in the office half the time. So you and I could share a desk and it's my desk Monday, Wednesday, and half a day Friday. And it's your desk Tuesday, Thursday, and the other half of the day Friday. Well, you've already seen this in a lot of organizations. They're, they're starting to give up leases on these big office spaces that they used to have. And they're starting to find ways to condense their physical space. And it's a benefit to them. Real estate is extra. When you, when you go look at a company's overhead, the real estate cost, whether it's depreciating a commercially purchased asset or their leasing office, I mean, triple net leases are ridiculous and price, depending on your location, there's a lot of cost savings for a company to reduce their, their physical footprint and their real estate footprint. And so a lot of companies are looking at it from the standpoint of, Hey, our folks want to work remote. We can give them that and save money. Yeah. And, and there, that's where a lot of that paradigm's moving toward. Well, and, and you're exactly right. And that's the obvious cost saving, the reality that you don't need the real estate. And by real estate, I mean, square footage right? for housing, a workstation, uh, a desk, a seat. That is causing an opportunity. Mm-hmm to reimagine your physical space. And that's, that's yeah, where, that's, right. that's where we're, th- we want to really address this challenge. We get to think differently about mm. the space altogether. And, you know, as I think about the physical layout and footprint of an office space, a company, part of how you utilized your physical space and laid it out and created the environment in which people worked is also part of how you created culture. And sure. we already yeah. talked about the the issue of culture and developing culture as one of the challenges, but it's still, yeah. that's principally been part of how they did it. And so that goes back to that last challenge that, oh, now I've got to that's think right. of a different way to create culture because I can't just lean on my physical space. So you could right. have this inverted office set up where there's, your leadership are kind of on the inside and, and your support team is kind of encircling them on the outside versus every support teams in cubicles on the inside. And then mm-hmm. if you are talented enough, holy enough, you make your way to one of those outer offices kind of a thing. <laughs> so right, it's, you know, right, they're, they're creating right. the different use of the space to develop that culture where you think we're going to create the collaborative kind of environment. And so we do the open office concept, the, bullpen style where there can be more interaction collaboration or you get to some of what you're seeing in terms of you don't have a dedicated spot at all it's literally you come in and you find whatever desk space is open that's where you set up and work that day now i will i will say that i've had conversations with folks who've been in some of those environments and that's not necessarily as well received or as effective in developing the culture as maybe it could be. It's like anything else. If you're going to do that, then you got to lean into it and actually define why you're going to do it. Man, I'm kind of a leadership one-on-one guy. Just define the mission, like say why you're doing it, lean into it, make it clear. Don't just 
let it happen naturally. Right. So all that to say that now that you don't have the need for as much square footage to house people, what can you do with the square footage you have? And you can start to think about what are the resources that we can make available company-wide, organization-wide, that are high quality, usable, useful, available to our teams uh, that we all can kind of share and take advantage of, of rather than just everybody's on their own to figure out the best quality work products. So some of the things I've been seeing is investment in studios. Mm-hmm. And we're going to recognize that some form of video production, audio production, or even just virtual meeting facilitation requires, there's a lot you can do if you're really talented and gifted, you can you can run a Zoom call from your desk and make it pretty engaging and fun. Right. But there's some incredible tools and resources, technologies out there that allow for really savvy conference calls, meetings, brainstorming sessions. And so you create a dedicated studio space where all of that technology is integrated. And now right. you can have, you know, HR department can reserve it and use it for something they're doing. Your comms team can, your your development team can, your special project team can. And now you've created a really excellent resource that is adding value to everybody's work and you only got to do it one time. You don't have to replicate it for every single department, every single team or employee. You just invest in it well once and it's available and useful to the whole company. And so now you can reimagine what that space can be. Another concept is if you don't need all of the square footage for your team members, you can look at subletting to other types of businesses or entities that could provide amenities to your folks for when they do come in. Perhaps the motivation for some of your team to be remote workers is added pressure and tension on uh, childcare, hybrid educational models with their kids, and they need to work from home to accommodate that. But when they do come in, they may really be benefited if there is childcare that's available. And so now your main street space at the front of your building could be subletted to a really quality childcare daycare center. And you can work out a deal with them to create the ability for your folks to take advantage of it on the days they come in. And now it's not just creating an additional amenity to your folks, but Hey, it's also a benefit to your community, wherever it is, your headquarters are located. So that's exam. That's examples. What we're talking about reimagining your workspace. What can we do with this? I also think of a lot of times it's, there are times where you need to have those really professional People are in a suit and tie, conference rooms with high leather back chairs. You know, sometimes you <laughs> right, need, to, you need right. to have that space. Yeah, and for so sure. You're creating your square footage and you're laying it out in such a way that you're providing space for those kinds of gatherings or larger gatherings yeah. uh, yep. and rather than offices or cubicles or desks. I think you're spot on. And to kind of wrap it up on this one is it's all about exploring what is best for your organization and and how you intend to go forward 
your engagement model? Because to your point, I mean, there's the opportunity to create some really dynamic spaces that are extraordinarily engaging both internally for your folks, as well as how you engage with, you know, organizations outside, as well as all of this is being an opportunity for organizations to reevaluate their culture. Your physical space is a massive, people don't think about it, but your physical space is a massive piece of, as far as a tool uh, in creating your culture, evaluating with your folks, like what do you, what do your employees want in a physical space and understanding that using it as the tool that it is to, to build that within your culture. If you've got a lot of young parents, to your point, maybe having some sort of a daycare in the office is right. If you've got a lot of people that you know are on teleconferences a whole lot, then maybe having telephone booths or those private spaces where you go in and if you're working in a bullpen, you've got a spot to go and it's soundproof. You can go in, take a phone call, do what you need to do and come back. But it, it's just, it's an opportunity for organizations to really hone in on how they want to go forward in terms of building, creating, and proliferating a culture. Yeah. And this is a challenge that leaders need to tackle. They need to think about it. Don't miss the opportunity. And it's it's just going to be, it's going to take work. It's going to take time to invest sure. and think and imagine what it could be. And there is continuity to this article mm -hmm. as we've laid out the challenges and spending time well addressing this challenge can go back and create positive breakthroughs in overcoming the challenge of organizational culture. It can create incentives and help resolve some of the tension that you may have with folks that don't want to come back. Because if you create with an eye towards really making the time in the office meaningful and truly beneficial to your work yeah, uh, because you've thought through the types of resources, the types of space, the types of, of assets that are available and amenities that can be yeah. taken advantage of. Now, this idea, well, I, I just don't want to go into the office, period. Well, no, it's good to go to the office and there's I can go to the office for a very specific reason and move the ball forward on something I need to get done. And there's resources there to help me. And there's also amenities that can alleviate the tension that causes me to need to have more remote work flexibility. All of this goes back to the underlying belief that came out of research and what's being said that this desire for remote work two to three days a week. That's the, that's yeah. this dominant idea. So we're talking about a shift in the way of life. And yeah. so knowing that folks are going to be working remotely and in the office, make sure that that time in the office is exactly what they need and exactly what your company needs, organization needs. And yeah. it's going to help address all these issues. Yeah, no, I think you bring up a last point just to say this. I think you hit it on the uh, the nail on the head. This is an opportunity, and I would especially those leaders that are not as on board or comfortable with allowing remote work, use this as a potential tool to attract your folks back. If you create a really dynamic space that people really want to go and be a part of, and engage and interact with, then your opportunity for for attracting people to come back into the office, I think you've got a, a you know a much greater shot at getting people to to come back. Not to say that you're gonna you're gonna create such an awesome workspace that they're gonna be like, oh, I don't ever want to work at home. I want to go work at the office 100 percent of the time. I'm not saying that, 
What I'm saying is that the time that you do still require them to be in the office, you have the opportunity to make that a productive time and not a begrudging time. Yeah. And it's not just, your, it's, stuff. and it's not just adding a foosball table. And it would I mean, like if they, but they can, know, they can get a, they get a foosball, foosball table at home. Yeah. But not the, <laughs> the really good ones, the really good ones are, that's, a, that, that's yeah. some coin to drop. Uh, okay. like the ones yeah. that we used to have at the rec centers of college. Well, we pretty much hit a lot of the, things that the article mentioned as far as how to overcome this challenge. But I, I will, a couple that we didn't mention that is worth hearing. And again, all of this link to this is in the show notes. But when the idea of like subletting your front, your street front space to other businesses that benefit the community and your on-site people, you know, we mentioned childcare, but restaurants, um, childcare centers, gyms, if you're going to use your space for hosting potential high value customers or clients have a really great restaurant or bar that's on your front, you know, street front of your building yeah. that you can take advantage of. So anyway, I thought that yeah, was awesome. a couple, couple other things, just ideas. All right. Yeah. Last challenge, developing future leaders and competing for top talent. From the article, organizations will continue to see the benefit of new technologies optimizing their processes and profit margins. However, advanced technology will not replace the need for innovative leaders. In the digital age, the most important resource any organization needs to develop is its future leaders. The ability to recruit and retain top-level talent will be a decisive factor in moving employers toward remote work. And time out from the article, I, I think that's absolutely true. This gap in the expectation for and openness to remote work, it will likely close and probably the ability to recruit and retain top level talent will be the most decisive factor in employers yeah. having to move towards it. Back to the article, organizations without this option risk losing current team members to competitors who do. As the future of work becomes more distributed, recruiting and retaining top talent than developing them into the future leaders of your company is more important and difficult than before. Yeah, I really don't think this is a complicated challenge to understand. When you look at remote work as a benefit, which is exactly what it is, this isn't anything new in the competitive world of talent acquisition and retention. Your overall benefit package is ultimately a massive decisive factor for a talent making a decision on whether or not they're going to work for you or not. I mean, it's happened to me in my, my career multiple times when you're looking at multiple job opportunities. You're looking at the total benefit package, base salary, compensate, you know, commission compensation, healthcare benefits, 401k matching, all of those things. And your ability to assess the culture of both organizations or multiple organizations, the people you might work for, all of those things are being assessed by a candidate. And they're ultimately looking at it and going, okay, this is the this is the total package here, all of those factors considered, this is the total package here, and all of the factors considered, and then I make a decision based on what I think is the best overall total package for me. And this is just another piece of that total package. What I think that leaders are going to have to 
understand this is going to be based on the research and everything that we've talked about, everything I've read and, and heard, this piece of the benefit package is going to be one of the highest priority pieces for a lot of talent, especially the, to the point that was made in the article, the up and coming talent. Yeah. And so where in the past, I'm going to say this and it comes across as a pejorative term. I don't mean it that way, but in the past where you could money whip a candidate and acquire that talent or money whip them and retain them, right? We've all done the whole, Hey, I interviewed with this company and they're offering me $30,000 more in my base salary than I'm making here. And your current employer comes back and says, all right, we'll give you 40 if you stay. Okay, cool. Where yes, in the past you go ahead. But I've counseled a lot of people that have been in that exact situation. Yeah. And you never stay. Yeah. You always go. Because when, <laughs> when that, yeah, when that happens, you have to ask the question, well, why haven't you been bumping me up even right. half yeah, of that it, up to now? That's exactly right. Yeah. If you, if you had that 40 K that you'd be willing to give me, why did I have to threaten to leave to get it? A absolutely. Right. And not to mention the fact that once you've said that some, you you've interviewed somewhere else, now you got a target on your back, but that's right. a whole other, that's, that's a, that's an episode for another session. But the reality is where you could, I, what I believe you're going to start to see is where a lot of organizations think that they are the more attractive option because they have a higher base or they have a more competitive commission program or better benefits, whatever the case may be. But they have a, what would be considered a subpar or a less attractive remote work or fl flexible work environment, whatever we want to call that offering. I think there's going to be a lot of surprises for those organizations as they start to lose out on talent acquisition to companies that may be paying less and maybe have a less attractive total compensation package, but they offer more flexibility in this area. And I think it's going to be a rude wake up for some organizations. And what I would say to that is, Okay, the information is out there and you've got to start looking at it from a standpoint of this is a again it, it, it we keep I know the horse is dead and onto the glue factory but like this is a tool your remote work is a tool for you to utilize a, you know in this instance in talent acquisition how attractive are you to talent and more importantly I mean talent acquisition is necessary the point that's made here is talent retention yeah. You know, if you've got top performers that are killing it for you time and time again, but you don't offer the flexibility for them to be able to remote work or whatever the case may be, you've got a competitor, or even if it's not a competitor, if it's just another op opportunity for them, I think you're going to start, You're at least initially, I don't think it's going to take long for a lot of these organizations, especially the reality is that is that a lot of the organizations that most of corporate America and the corporate world at large look to are more flexible and they're more open to these hybrid work uh, environments. And I think that you're just, you know, you're going to start to see people start to fall in line, but it is something that's got to be considered. And if it's not, you're going to, you're going to feel it. And so or yeah. some organizations are going to be scrambling. Yeah. Well, like all the work that we're doing in trying to synthesize research and understanding the ongoing impacts and consequence of COVID and this experience we've had, 
there's the potential for disruption, costly mm-hmm. disruption, if you don't navigate this season of coming out of COVID and implementing a really good plan for how you're going to move forward because the door opened on the opportunities of what the future of work can be. And so, yeah, some groups and some organizations, some employers, there's going to be disruption, maybe even costly disruption. Uh, Some are going to innovate well and really reap the benefits of that. I want to think in a couple big buckets real quick. And the first with this concept is simply the fact that the human element isn't going away. You know, we, this whole podcast, everything you and I talk about, the different kinds of topics we get into. Yeah. There's some incredible innovations and changes and new technologies that are coming along and transforming the way that we live and communicate and connect and work the whole concept of AI suites that help you do your job, the idea behind, you know, machine learning and automation and changing the way a company does its processes, all those kinds of things. And Scott Klosowski, the co-author of this article has said to me multiple times, it's, we can think in terms of sci-fi and take kind of an apocalyptic view and think, oh, (laughs) the machines are going to replace us. That's not what's going to happen. What will happen is that technology will perform certain functions that we used to, and it will do it better and more efficient and in many ways more accurately. Yeah. We will do new and different things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And he's, you know, he's the digital optimist. He thinks we'll actually be freed up to do better things, things that are more fun, more exciting. So it's that whole idea, the human element's not going anywhere. And that's at the heart of this challenge is no matter what new technology comes your way, you as a company, as an organization have got to be developing people. You've got to be developing your people. So then the other bucket I would look at it is this concept of retention, which you've, you've brought up. Yeah. One of the consequences of COVID is especially really top talent, talented people have discovered I'm pretty good at doing what I'm pretty good at doing and I can do it from anywhere. And it has given them a different uh, time and space to see I I can take these skills anywhere. I, and I can either take them to the highest bidder or I can go out on my own and I can just contract, you know, and, and I, and so there's more options, opportunities available to them. And that's a good thing. I think uh, it's exciting. Absolutely. It's, it's going to be beneficial. Uh, that's another cost savings to your company is you don't have to necessarily have another W2 employee. You can have a 1099 that's fulfilling the same function and you're getting a benefit and they're getting a benefit. Yeah, absolutely. The foundation or the backbone of our entire society is that competition breeds better product. Yep. I mean, that's just, that's just, I mean, it is, I don't know that you consider that a truth. I do. Um, but it's certainly the evidence shows it. And so you're absolutely right. The The workforce environment that we're in is that it, it is a more competitive work environment in a positive way. I don't look at that as a negative thing. And I, ultimately, what I believe is that remote work and this concept of hybrid work, part-time remote work, it's going to push all employers to be better and to offer things that are more desirable and attractive to their staff and allow their staff to be better. The idea of 
and again, it goes back to your evaluative process. Some some organizations literally just look at the X's and O's of of what my staff are doing. If their job is to turn a wrench, how good are they at turning that wrench? Okay, that's how I quantify them. That's how we you know compensate them, and we're done. I think that's a really myopic lens to look through. You, you know, there is tomes of research around someone's positive mindset being a massive factor in the quality of work that they produce. If you can improve your staff's mindset and outlook and overall happiness, there's research out there that says they're going to be a better employee. They're going to produce better work and you're going to, and they're going to positively contribute to your culture. Well, if people want to work from home a couple, three days a week, and that makes them happier because they're able to see their family more. They're able to, you know, engage in things that are positively influencing them as a holistic individual. Then you providing them that vehicle is not only going to make the production that they provide you that much better, but there's going to be, you know, we're talking about talent retention. There's going to be a loyalty and and a meshment's a, a negative word, but a, a connection there that's going to be established between you and your staff and your employees. Like, hey, these people really care enough about me to let me have this opportunity and this flexibility. Another opportunity comes by, they might not even look at it because yeah. of the way that you've positively treated them. So you have to look at the holistic situation, yeah. not just the work production. Well, and leaders need to not make the mistake of thinking too simplistic about this issue of why do they want to work remotely or take too reductionist of a view that the reason they want to work remotely and work from home is because they don't want to wear pants anymore. Right. It's also that, but it's also that they have, (laughs) they've discovered a lot more in the way of opportunities yeah, and that's right. it's bringing out more creativity, more innovation, better in them because they are thinking and working at a higher level because they've been given this challenge of 2020 and they've adapted to it and they're thriving, excelling, and it's opened up more opportunities. So don't yep. make the mistake of thinking they want to work remotely just because they just don't like to go to the office anymore. It's that right. there's also just a, a new environment out there of opportunity. Yeah. The the last bucket that I would look at in this challenge is the idea of recruitment and, and truly developing future leaders. It's this idea of creating a leadership pipeline. And you made the comment that it used to be we just money whip people and we could put together the best compensation package. But even before this remote work experience, there was already a lot of assessing of the workforce as the millennial generation came into mm-hmm. the workforce, trying to understand that new generation of, of workers. And of course, it's amazing how much time has passed that when we say millennials, we're not talking about people that are in their second year on the job anymore. But right. We're, we're right. talking, uh, but there's some really great research into what was the satisfaction gap that was happening yeah. that that generation of folks in the workforce are looking for something different in their job, in their career, in their 
place of employment, they're looking for different things that give them a sense of value and satisfaction in their yeah. job. And I, I, one article, I think it was a Wall Street Journal article, I like how it put it. It's, it's not that base pay, stock options, and vacation aren't important anymore, your uh, traditional traditional benefits. But what's more important is that sense of this is a company that invests in me, that cares That's about right. me. Yeah. And right. this is the exciting thing about the just sudden shift, but massive adoption of this new technology and, and way of connecting is that it provides some of the very core tools that you need to actually develop people well, invest more effectively. One of the reasons why upper management, executive leaders, they're not necessarily available or investing or mentoring young talent is, I mean, there's only so many hours in the day and there can only be so many places in, at once. And also you sometimes do create levels of separation for good reasons. Uh, and yet the virtual environment has created a space in which you can meaningfully connect your top leaders to your rising talent and truly invest in them. It's not the idea of traditional professional development. That still has a role and a place. And right. a lot of professional development is outsourced. You send them to a conference, you bring in coaches or development experts in whatever your industry or, or skill or field is, but those skills are portable. What, yeah. what this rising generation is looking for is what you already have, your existing human capital, your current CEOs, executives, managers, leaders, who will take the opportunity to actually invest in the rising talent. And that kind of culture of, of investment in the people that are on your team it hits the need, the felt need that's being reported by rising talent of wanting to be invested in, but it also creates a leadership pipeline. Because at the end of the day, uh, we don't know what new technology is going to come around the corner that's going to massively change your industry, your company. It's coming. Something's coming. Right. But at the end of the day, at the end of that, that process is still a person in leadership in your company, in your organization, in your industry. And you need to be developing those people along the way. Um, yeah. So that's kind of the three buckets I, I look at it as. We, we've got it's just the human element doesn't go away, retaining the people you have, and also developing leadership pipelines. And I will make an, another great, great comment because it's a pressing issue in our culture, society. But one of the challenges that we have right now center around uh, gender issues in the workplace. And I actually wrote an article about a year ago because one of the consequences of the Me Too movement was that upper level management men were not as willing to mentor uh, rising managers uh, who were women. And yet women are 54% of the workforce in the country. They are 51% of the managerial track. So if if you're not developing, if you're not mentoring, that's half and and technically the majority of your future leaders anyway. So, right. uh, and, right. and the technologies, the virtual environment, what we call e-mentoring actually provides exactly the tool that you need to be able yeah. to effectively lean into this process of leadership development. 
So yep. to kind of wrap us up, there's there's a couple things in the article on this overcoming this challenge that we didn't hit. When recruiting talent, embracing remote work can free the organization from looking solely within the market of the company's headquarters location. Drew, you and I have talked about that before. But yep. here's another element. Dollars formerly needed to relocate a new hire and their family can be saved or redirected into hiring bonus incentives, making your company even more competitive when recruiting top-level talent. We're going to have uh, this article. It's going to be in the show notes, so you can check out all the different ways that Scott uh, and I talk about how to overcome these challenges. Big picture takeaway, creating a new work environment, balancing the new work environment, overcoming these challenges. I believe it, it's the same. I mean, it's fundamental and foundational, and it runs through all, all of these challenges this concept of remote work or hybrid work is a phenomenal opportunity and a phenomenal tool for organizations to provide an immense value to them, the organization, and to the individuals within the organization. And I get it. For some, it's a really concerning concept. I understand and can be compassionate to the fact that it is a massive paradigm shift for some. I get that. If they can step back and look at this opportunity objectively, the benefits far outweigh the negatives. And so, you know, my big takeaway from it is it's a, the toothpaste is out of the tube. It's not, we're, we're not going to go back to an environment and a, and a culture in which everybody is just going to say, ah, that was great. It was fun. It was a good, we had a good run good couple of years there. We worked remote. Let's all go back to the office and punch yeah. in nine to five and sit in the rat race of, you know, commuting and all that stuff. So it's not that it's not going away. And much like what we talked about, especially in this episode, there's a huge benefit for your organization if you can leverage this effectively. So my big takeaway is learn to use the tool well yeah. and, and reap the benefit. Yeah. And I would simply add to that, there are good reasons that people are leaning into this. There's a mm. lot of benefit and innovation that's coming, a lot of things that are going to move us continually forward into new ways of living, new ways of working, new opportunities. And there are good reasons that leaders have questions, and they're asking good questions. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so it's there's going to be give and take on both sides. And 100%. this gap between desiring it and openness to it will close. But here are seven challenges that if you will take time to think through them, address them, consider them, put them in your context and make them part of your policy, your approach, your culture, a bright day is ahead for your team. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. been listening to the digitally connected podcast with joel harder and drew Noll. make sure to check us out wherever you catch all your podcasts and subscribe so you don't miss any of our new content we'll be dropping regularly if you enjoyed the content today please give us that five-star review thanks so much and we'll catch you next time